So we've established that what you want matters, and yet our conditioning is working against that very desire, causing us to dismiss, question, doubt, and give up on what we want. Welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. I'm still getting used to saying that as the title. And if you have missed that the title of the podcast has changed, please go to last week's episode where I'm talking all about what it means, why it changed, my journey with it, all of that stuff. So today I want to talk about something that I'm really excited to dive into. It's something that's been coming up a lot in my work. I am at the moment deep in creation mode of my new program it's a group one-to-one hybrid program it's something I've been working for a really long time I'm so excited that some of you listening I have no doubt will be joining that program and a big part of that a really deep part of that program is as the title suggests about really looking at why or how or in what ways unleashing the real you enables you to create real money. And when I say real money, what I really mean is what real money, what life-changing amounts of money means to you. There is no amount in my work that I believe you need to aim for. I absolutely believe that each person has a different amount that works for them. And some of them, it's gonna be, it's gonna seem massive And to others, the amount that a person would be aiming for would seem small. It really doesn't matter. It's about what size works for you. And it's about unraveling what holds us to believing we have to aim for certain amounts. And let me be really clear, for some of us, again, some of us, like, and you see this online, increasingly people believe it has to be these huge amounts, like seven figures, otherwise it's not legit, six figures or it's not legit. But equally, and so that can keep us in place too, believing like always scrambling for success that it's really hard to, not that it's hard to reach those figures, but it's if you're always scrambling for this version of success that's beyond you at the moment, like you never arrive, quote unquote, you always feel like you're not doing it. Like it's not happening. Like you're always a long way away from it. And that can be a real problem. Equally, many of us have been conditioned to believe that actually very very achievable numbers are way out of our reach for some of you the idea of a thousand five thousand ten thousand pound months fifteen thousand pound months is just absolutely ridiculous and I really want you all to know that those are absolutely in your grasp they really are and in terms of business and I think it can be helpful to start to shrink what we make those numbers mean they're relatively small And that's not to say that we tend to go, oh, small, therefore not as good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm a small person. I'm just as good. But equally, you know, those things are not these big, unachievable, mystical, magical numbers. And I think the more that we can sit with them, the more we can normalize them, the more achievable they feel. And so as I'm digging into this, I'm really looking at, and this is why that little preamble where that comes from, is your desires really matter. They really, really matter. And some of you are going to have a desire. And this was absolutely me. And I've spoken to many clients who feel the same. 
when I and I found actually recently I was looking through old journals and I found this entry from before I was even coaching and it said the feeling I can't shake is that I was just made to make oh I'm just meant to make a lot more money than I've ever considered possible for myself before it just feels like something I want to do something that and it was more than an I want to you know like I might want to go and get a one of the amazing vanilla frappes from the park there's a cafe on the park near my house that's an I want to this is a much deeper like I feel like there's something in me that was meant for this that really wants it that really desires it's why I use desire over want like really desires this that it would feel really good to do that that it would feel like I was using parts of myself that maybe I've neglected, that maybe I didn't even know existed. And as I've stepped into that, I can tell you that's absolutely true. I think there's more to it. But when I'm making certain amounts of money and it's the stuff I do, let's be clear, it's not the bringing in the money because I, then I do it anyway, like any way I like, could figure out. It's really about who I get to be um, within my business when I show up that way. Like when I'm making money, when money's flowing, I know I'm showing up in ways that really honor parts of myself that, that I've been taught to be shameful of in the past, that I've been taught to hide. For example, I really make money from my ideas and my opinions. And I grew up believing, being told repeatedly that I was too opinionated, that I had too many ideas, that I was too unrealistic all of those things and that's now what makes me money you know if we like boil it down and so there are so many parts of all of us that we are denying that we are hiding that we feel ashamed of that actually are key elements in us showing up as the real us and making that real money but here's the thing <laughs> Here's the thing, guys, your desires and your conditioning are often in conflict and it's making you believe that your ideas, sorry, your desires and your ideas are wrong. When actually it's your conditioning that's the issue. This idea that there's only a very, very narrow, slim amount of ways of ways to be a human being. For example, I've always been considered too much by lo lots of people and therefore myself. And that's gone on for as long as I can remember. And an, <laughs> an example of that, and I'm sorry if I've told this story a million times, but an example of that is when I went for Reiki once and I walked in, because I'm quite curious about a lot of that stuff. I'm not saying like, I don't know where I land in it, but I'm always quite curious. So I went for this Reiki session and I walked in and the practitioner just went, oh my God, you've got a very intimidating aura. And I was like, oh, <laughs> always makes me laugh so much. I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> like all, I, literally all I'd done is walk in the door. But it was so interesting. And obviously that's not the most professional thing to have done, like not, not brilliant. But it was just so interesting. Never met that person before. Literally just walking in. Not, hadn't even spoken yet. But that sense of that, me being too much. And luckily by then I'd had enough therapy and done enough coaching to be like, oh, all 
all right hello what's going on for you then not that I asked I didn't want to know but like you know I recognized that was her stuff not mine but I was like Jesus I just walked in and I'm too much for you my aura is intimidating why (laughs) so we start to believe so my desire to and, and I couldn't even, I didn't even have a space for this to be a thing until I started to realize it was a thing online. But I remember as I started to see coaches going live and talking about things and sharing their ideas and all of that stuff, I was like, oh, I want that. That's like a space for me to unleash that too muchness, to allow myself like, and quote unquote, too muchness. It's just me. It's, it's not it's not that I'm too much, it's that the world wants me to be too small. Same with all of you who are, you know, resonating with what I'm saying, who see yourselves in what I'm saying here. And so I, I started to really explore that and the money came alongside that. But this idea that my desire to be seen and heard, which is a very human desire, my desire to be seen and heard because It required more space than had been allotted to people like me, to women, to women of certain sizes, to women who don't look a certain way or whatever it is. Because that took up more space than that, it was very easy. And I did it from a very young age to internalize the belief that my desire to be seen and heard my desire to share my thoughts, my desire to just connect with humans in a way that really makes my whole soul light up was wrong. And that I needed to not get too big for my boots, which was the classic phrase when I was younger, that I needed to be less black and white about my thoughts, that I needed to curb these big ideas I had, these big opinions, these big thoughts that people didn't want to hear that. So I am too much, not the space I'm being given. I don't need to be given space either, by the way. It's just there. This idea that, well, there isn't really enough space for you, Ray. So just you shrink. It's your issue, not ours. It's not our insecurity that can't deal with it. It's not our belief that people like you should be quieter, that people like you who are challenging some of these male thoughts that it's not our issue that that bothers us. It's your issue for having the thoughts in the first place. (laughs) Drives me mad even just talking about it. So (laughs) take a breath, Ray. It's nonsense, right? But it's so easy. And you can, you, some of you will relate to, to the example I'm giving. Some of you will be different things, the ways that you have desired something. And maybe it's been talked about as frivolous. Maybe it's, you know, we've got to look at the ways in which like somebody might desire a beautifully decorated home and it's thought of as shallow, often because that it's, it's much, e- and, and by the way, when I talk about these patriarchal things, these are not just things that affect women at all. You know, for it, like, let's say a man, a father wants to stay at home with his children. And I'm talking obviously in heteronormative relationships because there's no choice in, a, in other relationships. Like it, that will be looked down on. You know, my husband is a stay at home dad. I can't tell you how looked down on it is. And it's, it's affecting him that 
the domain of women, traditional domains of women, like like how your home looks, like the food that you cook for people, like the roles of carers is looked down on. That doesn't just impact women and it doesn't just impact how women make money or how women feel about things. It impacts all of us, all of us. So yes, I've been digging into all of these things, these desires, all of these things as I create this program and as I create the, the modules we're gonna be looking at, the curriculum, the structure, because on one hand, we've got these desires that hold keys, really, really important things that will unlock who you are, who you were made to be, things that are actually that you've seen as weaknesses that are actually massive strengths things that you are trying to heal yourself of that don't need healing that are perfectly acceptable how all of those things hold the key to you making real money and it's one of the keys to finding your space is showing up as the real you and acknowledging the validity of your desires Many of us have been taught, and I think this is one of the things that always gets me. We think again, for people raised as female, conditioned as female, we are taught from a very young age. This was absolutely true for me. I've talked many times about how I was taken to Weight Watchers for the first time at the age of 12. But if you think that's when diet culture entered my home, it is not. As a kid, I didn't eat very much food. I have one of those children now. He exists off air. He looks very like me as well. I was tiny, really slight. I also had a hole in my heart, which could have had something to do with it. I don't know. And I, I didn't eat much food and it panicked, particularly my mum. And so I was taught from a young age that I needed to finish the food on my plate. I was you know, constantly being told, eat more, Ray, eat more, you haven't eaten enough. I was taken to the doctor a lot about the fact that me and my brother weren't eating enough. That carried on until I was probably like eight, seven, eight, and then I, I gained an appetite. And by 12, I was put in Weight Watchers. <laughs> so you can see how, from a very young age, my desire for food was overridden. My desire for, and, and actually, I previous life I was a breastfeeding counselor and what I'm about to say I don't want people to think this is me being anti-formula feeding I am not in any way anti that at all but there's a real thing with formula fed babies particularly and it can happen with breastfed babies but it's just harder to do it where you like got to finish the bottle got to finish the bottle and a lot of breastfeeding professionals will encourage mums to follow the baby's lead when it comes to what they're eating what they the bottle which is why I'm saying this is nothing to do with being pro anti-formula it's about the way we feed our children often we're because the mentality is you can't see how much milk's in a boob so you don't get the feeling to you don't get feel the need to get them to finish it but you still get mums believe me having worked in that area who are like I've got to feed them more I've got to feed them more but there's that feeling of like you it's not about how hungry the baby is and and often health visitors and other and doctors and nurses can not always but they can perpetuate this of like what kind of weight are they putting on what are they doing and there's a balance there but from a very young age, we're taught to override our desire for food in place of what somebody else thinks we should be having. Similarly, as a child, the way I was fed was like, well, it doesn't matter that you think you're full. You don't know. You don't know how much food you want. I do. It's You're not having enough. It's worrying me. So for the sake, this is my mum. For the sake of that worry, I need you to eat more. 
And then when I started to eat more <laughs> and become curvier, like all of my family are, by the way, from a long line of very curvy women, it was, oh, now you're eating too much. So I have no, I had no idea. I am still learning this now. I th- it's quite a uh, interesting thing for me to figure out when I'm full because nobody ever let me follow my own desires for food. And I could talk about how it's so important in order for us to do this, we have to divest ourselves. We have to remove fat phobia from us because, because if you're gonna let your kids eat what they want, they might get fat and that's okay. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, oh, because the fear is nearly always, if not always, the fatness at the end of it. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast, possibly a whole other like show of a podcast. But from a very young age, we are taught to override our desires for food. We are either not wanting enough as babies and children often and wanting too much as babies and children as well. There's so much doubt. We don't trust children. And then that carries on, particularly for women, into adulthood, where we actually don't know when we're hungry, when to stop. I, When I was a dieting teenager, I would go to sleep rather than eat because I was so hungry on these like 1200 calorie a day diets that I would just be like, if I stay up, I'm going to eat. So I'd go to sleep and sleep off my desire for food. And that's without me even going into the way we treat sexual desire, the way we look at who we are attracted to, you know, how so many of us are taught that we have to deny, feel shame around who we're attracted to if they are not the opposite gender to us, for example, or maybe the the, the things that we desire sexually. And on top of that, it's layered. It's always so layered. Any desire that takes us out of servitude to our fellow humans, out of kindness, perceived kindness, I would say. Like, let's look at how women who do not desire children are treated. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to? You'll regret it. Who look after you when you're older? Are you sure? You don't want to get too old. Let them leave them to their desire. If they regret it, if that's on them. Why can't we just let them? Why can't we trust people to have their desires? And that one particularly is because it rocks what we believe women were created for. And it's not childbearing. That's not what we think. It is, it's part of it. It's really that we believe, or society, conformity culture tells us. And we internalize the belief that women were created to serve, to care for people. And if a woman dares choose something that doesn't look like that, it blows so many people's minds. Sometimes, I think, often, it's because there's a feeling of like, oh, shit, could I have chosen that? Super subconscious, very, very deep. Could I have chosen, like, did I have a desire? I didn't know I had a choice. So there's that. There's also, what if your desires mean you won't fit in? And they, they, some of them will mean that. You know, there's not many. Like, obviously I found like my people increasingly 
But even in the UK, I'd say there's not many people who want to earn the higher levels of money I do without a load of judgments around that. And don't get me wrong, I'm having to work on mine too. But certainly my friends locally, they don't feel that way. They accept me that I do, but it's not something I massively talk about with them. And that's okay, but it it does mark you out as different sometimes. And let's be clear, not fitting in feels unsafe and risky in a world that already for many of us feels unsafe and risky as women, as people who have been left out of money-making, as people who don't fit into various societal norms, not just women. And often, and so we've got that, then we've got the fact that the world feels risky at the moment, that, that things keep happening that leave, are leaving us feeling more and more risk averse. And so, of course, it all feels like a lot to follow your desires when you know that they are going to lead you down paths that are not the ones that were laid out for you. So sticking out and challenging what you've been taught you have to do itself feels risky. When we apply that to our desires, our very essence can feel unsafe and in danger of being rejected, which again, layer that on top of, like if we're looking at things like who you're attracted to, society's already rejected that multiple times. So if you've got a history of that, which I would say all of us do in various ways to various levels, that feels like a lot. And I don't wanna pretend like, you know, you see those kind of Instagram memes that are just like, just go for your desires fuck everything else (laughs) and that's like a very shortened version but that's the gist and it doesn't take into account like years decades of conditioning of real life tangible experiences not just made up stuff on top of that the history of your ancestors and what people have experienced and the way that's passed down. And of course, that's not your fault. Of course it's not. And I know what some of you will probably be thinking. So I wanted to address this. Is it okay if my desire is just more money? Like what if my desire is that I just wanna make money? Is that okay? Doesn't that make me like some greedy capitalist bastard? And I know some of you all have that, like, maybe I just want more money. Maybe I want a nice life. As if, as if that's not okay. Of course it's okay. It's totally okay. But I've already alluded to this. There's no, like, I want to say I'm 99% sure, but I'm kind of 100% sure that you just want, you don't just want money let's for the beginning let's just say I'm not here to police any desires you get to want what you want and it's important that you do and I doubt it's just about money because do you just desire money in your account you just want it like to be Uncle Scrooge in DuckTales just diving in to your account just want to look at your online banking no why do you want the money Let's use an example of to buy a house. Well, why do we want to buy a house? 
for safety, for security, for a space that reflects who we are, for community, for our families. It's not just the money. Maybe you want to go on holidays. Okay, so why is that? For experiences, for that kind of, for pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, for meeting people, for community. Like, you know, it's, 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 I want to say never just about hoarding money, even if, even if someone said, no, 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 I just want to look at my accounts. Why? What feeling do you get from that? Safety, security. You know, it's never just about the money. So if you have that desire, I also really believe because we have been conditioned not to listen to these desires, not to pay attention to them, actually sometimes, and I know I've been in this situation when I first started doing this work, I was like, I don't even know what they are. I'm not sure I can find them. And so it's really useful to just start with the top one, the top layer. If you can identify, you know what? I just really want some more money and start there. Don't judge it. Don't judge it as not a good enough desire because that is some internalized patriarchal nonsense again, where we've been taught, not only are we not allowed desires, but if you're gonna have desires, you better hope it's the right one. You better hope it's good enough. They just are what they are. There is no good or bad in it. It's just what it is. And yes, sometimes, and this is really important to say, sometimes we will think we desire a version of success that actually we've been conditioned into. For example, you might feel like, but, but I, you get good, I think, at learning what that is. So you might feel like you desire a really big Instagram following. I would dig into that more and be like, what is, what is the Instagram following or whatever social media following actually going to give you I suspect that's the desire so it could be a platform to share what I do like the and for me a lot of it is I love if I could bottle it I would drink it daily (laughs) I love the moment something I say makes something switch in someone's eyes or even like I get comments sometimes that give me the same feeling like oh you send me that head blown emoji I am so happy like a lot of it is about that feeling of for me that's a really deep connection with somebody and that's what that's about like that doesn't have to look like an Instagram a big Instagram following that can look all sorts of ways and so it's really digging into what is the actual desire here and that's something we're going to do in real you real money because it takes sometimes we can just do it often it takes quite a lot of unpeeling unraveling it's why I talk about unraveling because it's not often like moments of it can be a fast process often it's a much longer you know we've been conditioned for decades of our lives and then our parents were conditioned before us and their parents it's often not a once and done situation so we've established that your desires matter imagine how the world would look if we all followed them not just those of us left out of money making, those people making money too, because a lot of them are operating in the wrong space. I'm looking particularly like their, their healing levels for sure are not up to scratch, but also just their talents and all of those sort of things. I often think about like how many of us have gone into particularly corporate environments or 
places where someone's supposed to be super impressive and you meet them and you're like, really? You? You're the person doing this? I thought you'd be X, Y, Z. And it's you. I mean, it's very clear with our current on his way out prime minister, for example. Like, really? You? You're the right. Okay. <laughs> so, and that's not just to be rude about Tories. It's also about the fact that the patriarchy conformity culture has forced people into roles because that's what they should do, that they're not suited for. There are so many working parents, particularly dads, who should be the stay at home person or should be the main caregiver if that's how people do it. There are so many parents at home who should be working. And that's where they would find their joy. And, and that's, that's just one example. And when I say should, I just mean like they, they slot into that space in a different way. There are so many people working like in a post office who should be the, a politician, working for charities that should be doing something else. But our conditioning is putting us into spaces that are not ours. And then we are not, we feel like, you know, I think about myself working in a corporate environment and how lazy I felt and how rubbish at what I did I felt. I was just like, you cannot be motivated. You do not care. And then you put me into this business. I'm like a different human because I'm in my space. This is what works. This is where I find flow. And I do believe while it is a privilege to find that often because sometimes it can mean some sort of like, not earning as much in certain positions. I do believe that space exists for everyone. Do I think everyone has to get into it to be happy? No. Do I think it looks the same for everyone as me? No. For some people, it is working in a council office and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's working a job where you don't have to take it home. That is where they thrive. And that is no better or worse than anything else. What I do might be front-facing. It's no better or worse than somebody else. It's about what fits you and I know like imagine a world where we were free to be our complex selves and, and uh, to follow our desires and I know some people believe it would be a hedonistic mess that is a very puritanical religious kind of what's the word like after effect almost there is a belief and you still see this sometimes particularly on TikTok when people speak to like religious people where there's some people who truly believe that in order for us to have any morals we have to have religion there's plenty of people walking around and always has been outside of a Western white mind frame who don't need religion to hold or certainly, you know, a Christian religion or any of the major ones to have morals. That was one of the big things some of you might know that I grew up in churches and I was really taught that people out who weren't Christians weren't as good morally kindness wise all of those things and once I went out into the world and I met people that my church disapproved of particularly my gay friends who there was a lot of chat about but also friends who you know were having a lot of sex and I was like these people are nicer <laughs> these people are a lot nicer than the people I've met in church like not all of them but some of them and like these are the people that are going to hell because they love somebody that they're supposedly not supposed to and it stopped making sense 
because I watched them they didn't need any religion to uphold that stuff and I think it's a similar thing with desires like we can trust them they're not going to lead us astray they're going to lead us to the right place they're there for a reason so we've established that what you want matters and yet as I've mentioned multiple times our conditioning is working against that very desire causing us to dismiss question doubt and give up on what we want your conditioning and the conformity culture that perpetuates it are in direct conflict with your desires they're almost like attacking each other and the desires we want them to the desires we want them to be so loud and we've got to like let them out bit by bit that we that we're able to work through this conditioning that we're able to dismiss certain parts of it but let us show up untangling that conditioning and revealing who you are underneath that and bringing that into your money making is what allows that delicious feeling of becoming who you always wanted to be. Some of you will have experienced that when you've acted on a desire. You know, I remember even going on a retreat and being like, oh, this feels like doing something that's part of who I always wanted to be. And I'm getting to be that person. That person always felt removed from me, but here I am stepping into them. because it's who you already are, it's all there already. And you can start this with tiny little things. You can start it by like, you might have a desire to go for a walk. You might have a desire to put on lipstick, to buy a certain outfit, to eat a certain food. Tiny little moments of trusting your own desires. And like I said, this is so much of what we'll be doing in Real You, Real Money is unraveling that conditioning and creating and nurturing and tending to the beliefs that your desires need to become real. And of course, that includes money desires because we live in a capitalist world. So some of those desires do require money. Some of that desire might be for you, I just have this desire for the world to feel fairer. And part of your role in that may well be to do with money. It's not that you have to save the entire world, but you can make a big impact on your path. And so if you have that desire for more money that you can't quite put your finger on, if you have a desire for greater impact in your business, if you find yourself wanting to grow your business, but, but stumble with the money part, and it's really, really common, by the way, for people to say to me, I don't think it's money. And yet here you are listening to my podcast. Here you are reading my content. <laughs> so just have a listen. And if you're not sure, send me a DM and we can see, we can do a chat about it, particularly if you're interested in real, your real money. We will have the sales page out very soon if it's not out when this starts. But if you're interested, pop me a DM and I'll pop you the details as soon as they're available. Thank you, as always, for being here. It's always a pleasure to chat through this stuff with you. I'll see you in the next one.